Thank you for listening to the Lake Murray Baptist Church podcast. Lake Murray Baptist Church is a Southern Baptist church located in Lexington, South Carolina. My name is David Sons, and I serve as the family and discipleship pastor here at the church, as well as the host of this podcast. Our hope is that this podcast would be a resource for our members who are seeking to live out their faith in Jesus Christ in their everyday lives. We want to use this platform to exalt Jesus and equip the members of Lake Murray to be the church where they live, work, and play. Welcome to episode 10 of the Lake Murray Baptist Church podcast. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is the second part of our live recording from our Good Friday devotion last week. If you haven't listened to part one, it would be helpful for you to do so. So you can scroll back to episode nine on our podcast page and give it a listen. In today's episode, we'll move from the reality of the cross into discussing the necessity and the sufficiency of the cross for salvation. We'll be back next week with brand new episodes, but until then, I hope that you are edified and encouraged by this time of teaching and reflection. And so the first thing we see is the reality of the cross. The next thing that we see is the necessity of the cross, the necessity of the cross. Paul uh, continues in verse 18. He says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But then he says, but to those who are being saved, but to those who are being saved. And so the implication here is that the cross is somehow essential to our salvation. And so we want to ask the question, how is the cross essential to our salvation? How is what Jesus does on the cross essential to our redemption and our reconciliation with God? And we see that really in three primary ways. The first way that we see it is that on the cross, Jesus pays the penalty for our sin. A few months ago, we walked through uh, the the book of Hebrews. Uh, Pastor Josh preached through the book of Hebrews in our Sunday morning gathering. Uh, And and really Hebrews chapter 9 and chapter 10 give us great insight into exactly uh, how Jesus pays the penalty for our sin on the cross. And so in Hebrews 9, 22, uh, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. This was the Old Testament sacrificial system that was set up around the, the, the sacrifice of a lamb uh, for the sin of the people. And the shedding of that animal's blood uh, was sufficient to cover the sins of the people for that year. But this is a flawed system. Ultimately, this is, this is not a system that can hold up forever. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, for since, the law, for since the law has but a shadow of good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. And so the writer of Hebrews says that the law in itself is not sufficient to pay the penalty for sin. That's why they had to come back every year to offer another sacrifice for their sins. But then look at what the writer of Hebrews says next. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder every year of sins, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The law was a placeholder. It was a shadow of the good things to come. And what were those things that were to come? It was the true Passover lamb, Jesus, the Messiah, who came and fulfilled the law of God perfectly and laid his life down as the perfect Passover lamb. This is what the writer of Hebrews says in verse 12 when he says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. 
Jesus comes as the single sacrifice for sin to pay the penalty for our sinfulness. And the shed blood of Jesus pays the price for our sin. On the cross, Jesus pays the penalty for our sin, but that's not all that he does. On the cross, Jesus also becomes our substitute. Jesus becomes our substitute. When we read the crucifixion account, or when you study about how crucifixion was carried out, we should be stunned by the brutality of it. Uh, This was a vicious, wicked way to die. Uh, This was a torturous process. However, when we consider crucifixion, our revulsion really should turn to reflection and, and then ultimately to relief when we realize that the cross should have been our punishment. The cross should have been my punishment. But Jesus comes as our substitute. And he stands in our place and bears our judgment. Paul talks about this in Romans, Romans 3, uh, verses 23 to 25. He says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and they are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Jesus comes as the propitiation. He comes as the sacrifice that is, that is satisfying to God. He stands in our place and bears the weight of our sinfulness and his death on the cross, his substitute uh, uh, sacrifice is satisfying to the Lord. Galatians 3.13, Paul reminds us that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So Paul again picks up on this from Deuteronomy chapter 21. And he says that Jesus redeems us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. Um, my family has been reading uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe this week with our kids. Uh, so I don't know how many of you have ever read uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Just quick show of hands. Anybody? Anybody The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Okay, C.S. Lewis, tremendous. It, it's, a, it's a fantasy story. It's written really for children. It's called a children's story, but it's not really a children's story. Uh, really, it is, it is the story of the gospel. Uh, so if you know anything about uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I won't go into a lot of detail here. I would just encourage you to read it. Um, what we see is we see these four children who are kind of escorted into this magical world through a wardrobe. Uh, and one of the children uh, into this world called Narnia that is under this curse. There's a white witch who is overseeing the land. She is kind of the, she, she's cursed the land that it's always winter and never Christmas. Uh, but there's rumor that Aslan, the great king, the, the great lion, that he is, that he's coming nearer that he's coming to Narnia soon. And we begin to see all of these things where spring begins to break through and the witch begins to lose her power. Now, one of the four children, Edmund, the, 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 one of the brothers betrays his uh, brothers and sisters to the white witch. And when Aslan finally arrives, the white witch comes before Aslan and says, you know what the rules are. You know that the deep magic from the dawn of time says that a traitor belongs to me that I get to kill and that I get to own the traitor. 
But Aslan, in this incredible uh, picture of the gospel, sacrifices himself for Edmund. Aslan, the king, says, you can take my life and not Edmund's life. And so we just read a couple nights ago about how Aslan goes to the stone table and the white witch and her minions kill Aslan and the children are there and they're weeping. And then in this incredible chapter, this incredible picture of the resurrection, as the children are weeping, the, the spell begins to break. And the stone table breaks and Aslan is resurrected. And when the children ask him about how he's been resurrected, listen what Aslan says. Uh, Here's what Lewis writes. And this is just beautiful, incredible writing. He says, it means, said Aslan, that though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still that she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked further back into the stillness and darkness before time dawned, she would have read a different incantation she would have known that when a willing victim who has committed no treachery treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, that the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. And that's what we see in the death of Christ, that Jesus comes as our substitute, the one who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. And what we celebrate in two days is that death itself began to work backwards right? Jesus bears the punishment that was rightfully ours, and he dies in our stead as our substitute. Third, on the cross, Jesus atones for our sin. Jesus atones for our sin. He pays the penalty for our sin. He becomes our substitute. And third, Jesus atones for our sin. Jesus bears the wrath of God in our place for our sin and satisfies the righteous demand for justice. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive to, God made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And this is the reality of the cross, that God uses what the world sees as foolish to provide salvation so that our boast will only be in him. And this is the necessity of the cross, that on the cross, Jesus pays the penalty for our sin by becoming our satisfactory substitute. And he atones for what we have done. And so we see first the reality of the cross. Why? Was the cross considered to be folly? We see next the necessity of the cross. How is the cross essential to our salvation? And finally, we'll finish here with the sufficiency of the cross. The sufficiency of the cross. What is the cross sufficient for? Notice how Paul closes this verse. He says, for uh, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of, of God. Uh, The word power here is the Greek word dunamis, okay? That's where we get the word dynamite, okay? So so when we talk about this kind of power, we're talking about this explosive power, this, this incredible power. And Paul says that the cross is, that the cross carries with it the power of God to save 
sinners. It's the same word that Jesus uses uh, in his confrontation with the Sadducees in Matthew 22. And the Sadducees are asking him about the resurrection. They're not really interested in the resurrection. They're just trying to trap Jesus. Jesus says, the reason you don't know the answer to this question is because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. The work of Jesus on the cross is the power of God to save sinners. And so we have to ask the question then, if this is the power of God to save sinners, what is Jesus's death on the cross sufficient for? First, by Jesus's death on the cross, we are forgiven. By Jesus's death on the cross, we are forgiven. Uh, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter one, verse seven, he says, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Now, when you think about the process of forgiveness, right? Uh, inherent in the process of forgiveness is the showing or the giving of grace. That's why forgiveness has the word give in it, right? When you forgive someone, what are you doing? You're showing them grace. You're choosing to give them something that they do not deserve. And the person doing the forgiving is assuming the cost of the offense. And so what we see here is that through the cross of Christ, God is forgiving our sin, that he is giving us grace, something that we do not deserve. And he is assuming himself the cost of our offense against him. We have sinned against a holy God, a perfect God, our creator God. And this sin cannot go unpunished because God is not only a God of love, he is also a God of justice. And for God to not punish our sin would make him unjust. And we know that God is not unjust. But what's amazing about the cross is that the cross is where the love of God and the justice of God meet perfectly. That Jesus bears our punishment. Salvation costs us nothing. Anyone can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. It costs us nothing, but it costs Jesus everything. It costs him everything. The, we're reminded in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 10, verse 43, that to him, all the prophets bear witness, talking about Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name that everyone who would believe on Christ would receive forgiveness of their sins. Why? Because we deserve it? Because we're good people? No, we receive the forgiveness of sins through his name and through his work on the cross. And so by the death of Jesus on the cross, our sins are forgiven. But it's not only that. By Jesus' death on the cross, we are justified. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Paul says in Romans chapter 5, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Now, justification is a legal act. In Christ, we are not only forgiven, we are declared not guilty. So this is great news for us. Not only does the cross forgive us, but in the cross, God declares us to be not guilty. So the cross is not God saying, you're guilty, but I love you, so we're going to let this one go. But it's God saying, you're guilty, and I love you so much that I'm going to bear your guilt myself so that you can be declared not guilty. 
Justification is a legal act. It is God's declaring to us that not only are we forgiven, but that we're not guilty. How is God able to do this? Because of the blood of Jesus. Because of Jesus and his sacrifice. God looks at the sacrifice of Jesus and he sees him as our satisfactory substitute. And in Christ, we can be declared not guilty. But third and finally, by Jesus's death on the cross, our sins are forgiven, we are justified, and then we are counted righteous. By Jesus's death on the cross, we are counted as righteous. Paul says later in Romans chapter 5, verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. By the righteous, by the obedience of Jesus, all the way to the cross, right? Even to the point of death, many will be made righteous. Now, you may be wondering, aren't forgiveness and justification and being made righteous, aren't they kind of the same thing? Like we use them kind of uh, uh, synonymously, right? We talk about that Jesus has forgiven us, we've been justified, we've been made righteous, but they are similar things, but they're different. And we need to recognize the difference in these things, Because we see now the multifaceted wisdom of God. We see the beauty of the cross. We recognize that on the cross, not only did God just forgive us, but he declared us to be not guilty. And not only did he just declare us to be not guilty and leave us in this kind of neutral position, but he actually now counts us as righteous. That he sees us as righteous. That that the deeds of Christ, the righteous obedience of Christ has now been given to us. And so we're not neutral. We're not just kind of back to square one. God has taken us from the depths of our sin, and he now regards us as perfectly righteous in Christ. And that's the good news of the cross, that on the cross, Jesus takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness. So not only are we forgiven, not only are we declared not guilty, but now we are seen as perfectly righteous before God. Why? Because of Christ. Because of Christ. Not because we deserved it. Not because of our own wisdom. Not because of our own work. But Jesus' death becomes the basis for my forgiveness, and his obedience becomes the basis for my justification. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Through the work of Jesus on the cross, we can be freed from the penalty of our sin. We are declared not guilty in God's courtroom, and we are counted as righteous before him. The cross pays the price for our salvation. God created us to be his. The the, the fall uh, separates us from God. And God now has done what is necessary to bring us back into relationship with himself. Um, I'll close with this final illustration. Um, I heard a a story about a little boy who lived up near the Great Lakes area. And he used to, he and his father used to build um, small kind of model ships, toy boats. And they would build these ships and these small uh, model boats. And they would take them out to the Great Lakes and they would sail them. And, and there was one ship, model ship that this little boy had built. And he, and he really put all of his time and energy into it. And he loved this little ship. And one day they went out to sail it on one of the lakes. And while they were there, a great wind came up and it took the ship further out than the boy could catch it. And the ship floats out to sea. 
and the boy is just distraught by this. He's devastated that he's lost this ship. And so a few weeks later, he and his father are in town and, and he's walking through town. He, he looks in the window of a shop and he notices in the window of the shop, his boat. He sees his boat in the window of the shop. And so he goes in and he asks the store owner, he says, that's my boat. And the owner says, I have no way of knowing whether or not this is your boat. And he says, if you want the boat, you can purchase the boat. Here's the price. And so the little boy goes back home and he empties out his piggy bank. He takes all the money that he has and he runs back to the store and he pays the cost for his boat. And the man, the owner of the store sells the boat back to the boy and the boy carries the boat out of the store. And he looks at the boat and he holds it to his chest and he says, now you are twice mine because I made you and I bought you. Brothers and sisters, we are twice his. God made us and he bought us. He bought us back. He paid the penalty for our sins. He's declared us not guilty in his courtroom. He has made us righteous. How? by the perfect death of his son, Jesus. And for any who would come and would say, by grace, through faith in Christ alone, that you believe, that you believe, that we know that we cannot save ourselves, that it is only that we find salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus. God gives us life. And so I hope that tonight, as we've reflected on the cross, You've been maybe struck anew by an aspect of God's wisdom in the cross that you've never seen before. My hope is that you've been uh, reminded of the incredible debt that we owe that Christ paid on our behalf and that this would challenge us and encourage us as we move through this weekend to remember his sacrifice on our behalf, to put to place our faith and our hope and our trust in him alone, to see him as our greatest treasure and ultimately to look forward to Easter Sunday because the cross without the resurrection means nothing. But we know that the cross means everything because Jesus is alive. And so that's my hope for us tonight. And I wanna close our time together uh, in prayer. Uh, And in just a minute after I say amen, I'm gonna turn it over to, uh, I believe Pastor Chris DeWeese to make a a couple of announcements, a few things we wanna let you guys know about. Uh, that are coming up this weekend. But thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, Thank you for uh, just the opportunity that we have to be your pastors. It is a privilege and an honor for us to share this time together. So let me pray. And then uh, Chris, I'll turn it over to you. Father, we love you. We thank you for the work of the cross. And Father, we are just struck anew tonight with gratitude, with gratefulness. God, because we know that we are sinners and that God, when we deserved your judgment, God, you gave us grace and you gave us mercy, not because we deserved it, but because of your love for sinners. And so Father, we pray that tonight, if anything has been done here, we pray that Jesus Christ has been exalted. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for his atoning work. Thank you for his perfect obedience. Thank you that through Jesus, by grace, through faith, in his name, in his name alone, Father, our sins can be forgiven. Our debt can be paid. We are declared not guilty in your courtroom. And Father, we are counted as righteous. 
And so, Father, help us to live this week as people of the cross, people whose lives have been changed, God, by the, by the good news of the gospel. Help us to live for your glory, for our joy, and the good of those who need to come to know you. So, Father, we give this time to you. We thank you for this day. We've set aside to celebrate, God, to remember the work of Christ on the cross. And we look forward to Easter. We look forward to the celebration that Jesus is not dead. He is not just another martyr on a cross, but, God, he is the ruling, reigning king of the universe, and he is alive. He is alive forevermore. And, God, you have brought us to yourself through him. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen. And a special thank you to you, the members of Lake Mary Baptist Church, and to all of our listeners. Remember, this podcast and the other ministries of Lake Mary Baptist Church are brought to you by the generous tithes and offerings of our church membership. To give to the ministries of Lake Mary Baptist Church, you can follow the link in the description. For more information about Lake Murray Baptist Church, you can always visit our church website, www.lakemurraybc.org. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. By subscribing, you'll be notified whenever a new pod is posted. We hope that you'll join us again next time as we seek to live in light of the gospel in the places where God has placed us for his glory, our joy, and others' good.